If you're caught up in the holiday shopping frenzy right now, well, you're not alone. But before you reach again for that credit card, think about how your life might change if you gave yourself the gift of simplicity. You'll find out more on this episode of Live Happy Now. The ancient Greeks defined happiness as the joy you feel moving towards your potential. To think about positive psychology, it's a science. And it's actually younger than the internet, believe it or not. The reality is that social connection is, in the research, the greatest predictor we have of long-term happiness. You have some factors in your control that can promote the health and resilience and growth of your absolutely most important asset, which is your brain. And so it all comes down to understanding ourselves. There's a way for all of us to succeed, but, but it might take different things. We're all looking for the same thing, and that's a way to bring a little bit more joy to our day. Join us as we look at the many different paths that lead us to that happy place. This is Live Happy Now. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Live Happy Now podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Sanders, and I want to thank you for making us part of your day, wherever you are and wherever you might be listening to us. We also want to remind you that if you like what you hear and want to add more positivity to your day, you can do that anytime by visiting our website, livehappy.com, or picking up the latest issue of Live Happy magazine at your favorite local newsstand or bookstore. This week, we're welcoming Courtney Carver, one of the world's top bloggers on the topic of minimalism and author of the new book, Soulful Simplicity. Courtney's simple experiment to live with less clutter grew into a complete overhaul of her mind, body, and spirit. She actually found that clearing her physical space improved her psychological space too, and has learned firsthand how ridding ourselves of excess can actually lead to enjoying more of what life has to offer. Join us as we talk to Courtney about how she learned to live larger with less and how you can find more joy through simpler, more thoughtful living. Well, first of all, Courtney, it is great to have you on. I'm very interested in this. A guy uh, in our local community has been really talking a lot about his new minimalist lifestyle. So I'm very interested to see where this goes because a lot of people grow up with this idea that you've got to accumulate things. And the more you have and the bigger it is, the better the better things are. But, but you're taking a different track here. Yes, although I can totally relate to the bigger, better, more, because I was on that track for a long time. What led you to kind of make that switch in your mind? I wish I could say that it was some form of enlightenment, but in (laughs) uh, actuality, it was a major health scare and wake-up call. In 2006, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Oh, no. And this came after, I mean, months of really crazy symptoms, not knowing what was going on, and me trying to write it all off to stress, like I did everything else. It must be stress. I'm overworked. I am not taking care of myself. I'm not sleeping enough. That was sort of the the story I told myself anytime I wasn't feeling well, but I never did anything about it. And so this diagnosis was finally when I put the brakes on and said, okay, something has to change. Uh, I can't keep going at this speed in this direction. And it's unfortunate, though, but a lot of times these types of life-altering events do lead us uh, to, to changing our, our point of view. And it's led you to write the book. You've got the website going. And something called Project 333. What's, what's that? What, what do we need to know about this project? So Project 333 is a minimalist fashion challenge that I created for myself way back in 2010 because part of 
simplifying my life had to include my shopping habits and my closet. Hmm. And I wanted to create a challenge because typically I was used to more slow and steady change, but I had a real problem with accumulating in that area of my life and wanted to, I guess, really figure out what enough meant to me. What did I really want and need in my closet? And why was I doing all this crazy shopping all the time? And so I created a challenge where I would dress with 33 items or less for three months, including clothing, jewelry, accessories, and shoes. Wow. And yeah, it felt really like it was going to be really challenging. And I had a lot of concerns about whether I'd have enough and what people would think about it. And as crazy as all my fears were, the actual challenge wasn't that challenging. And today, now, seven years later, I still dress with 33 items or less every three months. And since then, tens of thousands of people have tried the challenge from all over the world. So it's been really fun to see it kind of take off and and hear what other people are learning and share my experiences as well. And you're not wearing the same outfit three days in a row, right? Like you're you're doing, it's different stuff. You change it up and just rewear it. Yeah. (laughs) You'd you'd be surprised how many outfits you can actually get out of a small number of uh, items. Yeah. Well, it's very interesting. And as I mentioned, the the minimalist lifestyle is something that I think a lot more people are trying to do these days to sort of declutter their lives and, and make things a little bit more simple. You talk about decluttering your insides. What does that mean? Yeah, well, it's interesting. We always think of clutter as the stuff in our homes or on our calendars, but For me, once I started clearing some of that outside clutter, I noticed I had a lot of inside clutter, like a lot of fear and worry and overwhelm. There was a lot of sort of acting one way on the outside, but feeling a different way on the inside. Um, For instance, I acted like an extrovert and was always trying to be very outgoing and do a lot of networking and social events when on the inside, I was an introvert just dying to get out and be quiet and uh, stay home more. So I think that we often become a victim of our circumstances and just do what we need to do to make ends meet and to please everyone around us and be the person that we think everyone wants us to be. And at some point we forget who we are on the inside. So that's the kind of inner clutter I'm talking about. Hmm. But by making the space on the outside, you really start creating some time to work on the inside. What would you say is a good first step for that? Because I I think about the anxieties that I've had over the years. And for me, it was as simple as going, "Ah, I don't want to do that anymore. And so I worked on just not doing it anymore. But for some folks, it's it's a lot harder than just uh, deciding you're going to do it cold turkey. Did you have a method that you used or, or something that you recommend for getting started on that path? Yeah, there's one thing that has really made the biggest difference in me staying connected to my heart and true to my insides while, you know, reaching out on the outside. And that is to have a daily practice. For me, it's a morning routine. For other people, it could be an evening routine, but just some time every day that you can be by yourself, do a little writing or reading or meditating or connecting in some way to the real you. And that might only be five minutes at first because people are busy. It's hard to create time for a new activity, but it's been so powerful in my life that I've just continually extended it. So where it started as five minutes and then 10 minutes today, many years later, I spent two or three hours a day um, in my morning practice. 
I'm really glad you brought that up and, and that you call it a morning practice. It's something that we talk a lot about on this program and, and on our radio show and in our magazine as well, that it is a practice. It's something that you do have to work out. So if you start out and you don't feel like you're doing a very good job, don't be discouraged because it, it takes time to make this something that's just second nature to you. Absolutely. And no one's grading your paper on your daily routine. So I think that the routine is almost the fact that you're coming back to it every single day is almost more important than what really happens during that time, uh, because it really gives you sort of a touchstone for the rest of each day to come back to in your mind when you're feeling like things are getting a little out of hand. You can kind of remember that place you were in in the morning, whether it was you know, quietly reading or enjoying a cup of tea or whatever makes you happy. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what I recommend starting with. Excellent advice. I really love that. One, another thing that I kind of circle back to, you talked about getting in touch with the real you, spending time with the real you and, and kind of figuring out uh, maybe who that person is, if you don't already know, or appreciating the person that is, uh, if you do know. Have you found, and I, you hear this a lot, that people who really feel like they know themselves or who are truly self-aware, uh, their, their dealings with other people uh, tend to improve. Did you find that as well? Yes. Uh, my relationships improved quite a bit, as did, you know, how I felt about other people, because I think so often before when I was coming from a place of uncertainty and not trusting myself and not even really thinking about myself, I would say yes when I really wanted to say no to obligations or activities. Uh, I would then feel resentful that this person asked me to do something when I was the one that said yes to begin with. Yeah, uh, there were a lot of a lot of instances like that where now I have um, much less uncertainty, less decision fatigue because I trust that I know what's right, and I know that that might change over time, but I know what's right today, and that's the place I'm going to act from, and it makes me much happier, and I'm sure nicer to be around, which improves <laughs> relationships. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I like the idea that you talked about saying no when you've always said yes before. I think there's a lot of people in the world who are, and there's nothing wrong with this, but a lot of people who are just genuinely people pleasers, and you want to do everything for everybody else, make them happy, be there, uh, do their event, be at this thing, and, and do the next, and it starts to wear on you for a while, but you never feel like you can say no. Um, I like the, the idea that, that you're saying, no, it's okay to, to not be everywhere and be all things to all people. Yeah, I think it's really important for us to remember that it isn't our responsibility to make everyone happy around us. Um, while as much as we'd love to see them all happy, we don't even really have much control over that. That has to come from them. Mm-hmm. And if we're so busy making everyone else happy, chances are we are dismissing our own happiness, health, and well-being. And eventually all of those, uh, you know, those outer connections where we're trying to please everyone start to crumble. Yeah. So being able to say no and no thank you is really important because we are just hit from all directions now with requests and invitations and We want to be everywhere, but when we try to do that, we end up absolutely nowhere. And I think the thing, most people get it. We're all in that situation. I think most people are understanding if they're saying, no, I can't be there. 
no one's going to be really all that upset. And yet we assume that every maybe we're the only one who isn't upset. So we assume that other people will be. Uh, it's it's quite an interesting uh, dichotomy or conundrum there uh, within one's yeah. within one's own mind. We're talking with uh, Courtney Carver, author of the book Soulful Simplicity uh, and the website Be More With Less dot com and uh, the Minimalist Fashion Challenge Project uh, 333. You set out on this goal of, of sort of decluttering not only your physical space, but your internal space. How good did it feel when you felt like you kind of got to that point where you'd accomplished that goal? It's been an ongoing journey and one that has taken many years. It wasn't something that happened overnight. Right. But even when I just decided to take that first step and simplify my diet or start paying off debt or when we downsized, every little step felt really good even though we knew it was going to take a long time before, for instance, we reached our goal of being debt-free or we actually sold our house and got into a smaller place, even before we reached the finish line on any of those goals, our whole family felt better because we were taking action yeah. and, and doing things that were really making our, our family stronger and becoming healthier individuals. That's the exact response I was hoping you were going to have, because we talked a lot about here too the the idea of of working towards something. The journey is oftentimes better than the end result because you're you're working toward the thing that, that it is you you really want. What were some of the steps that you think were most important in in decluttering your your space? I guess it was it was really important for us to go kind of slow and steady. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like, all right, let's wake up and throw everything in the dumpster and be done with it. It was a a lot of passes through the house. So the first pass was let's get rid of everything that we don't even notice unless we're dusting it. You know, empty picture frames or things that are just hanging around, duplicates, the simple stuff. And to really build up to the harder things like the sentimental items um, and to be asking questions throughout the entire process. Like, why are we doing this? Because otherwise, I think if we just declutter without a real good good sense of why, then two months later, we're filling those bookshelves up again or the closets because it's uncomfortable to have things change. And yeah. unless we're very connected to why we're changing, we, we're, we're going to slide back and fill that space. So I think that's probably the most important part is really understanding why you want to make each change and just staying connected to that, even when it gets challenging. It probably leads to some introspection in terms of dis- decluttering your insides as well. You kind of figure out a little bit about yourself and why you're holding on to things. Yeah, it's really interesting. You learn how uh, scary connected you are to your stuff emotionally. And even the stuff that you would never think mattered. Yeah. Uh, and the closet's a perfect example. I mean, people I've heard and I've experienced, you know, for instance, if you've paid a lot of money for a pair of shoes or a jacket, you know, when you go to let go of that item, so much comes up about, you know, why was I working so hard to buy this thing that doesn't even matter to me anymore? Or yeah. why did I go into so much debt over silly things? That was a big issue for me. Yeah. Ultimately, that process is so helpful because not only do you get very comfortable letting go of your stuff, but you get very comfortable letting go of other things that aren't things that we hold on to. 
yeah, the idea of you're doing the physical inventory and then you kind of get in that practice of maybe taking an, an inward inventory of well of the things that, that you're carrying with you uh, on a day-to-day basis. One thing, and this is something that I'm very guilty of, uh, it's something around our office we're definitely very guilty of, the idea of, well, I'm going to keep this even though I cannot think of an earthly use for it right now because someday I'm going to come up with a, a reason to hold on to 50 windows worth of curtains in this windowless building or something like that. How <laughs> do you go about talking yourself out of that type of a fallacy? Yeah, so you might need it just in case. Yeah, right? you never know. You never know when you're going to need 50 PVC pipes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I always like to say that just in case means never. Yeah. Because it, it's just so often we never end up using that stuff. But I think the key to letting that go is by completing the sentence. So often we'll say, well, I'm going to hold that. I'm going to keep that just in case. But we never say just in case of what. So finish the sentence. Say, I'm going to keep this just in case I want to build a castle full of out of PVC pipes or whatever it is. <laughs> I might. <right? laughs> yeah. So there you go. What I think if you finish the sentence and, and really try to question your fear, because it's the fear that we have that we're not going to have enough or that we're going to have to rebuy something. When typically that stuff just sits in the office or the attic or the garage and we never use it, but it takes up mental energy and physical space and sometimes even more investment of time and money to take care of. Uh, So another great way to really test those theories is just to hide it for 30 or 60 days, Mm -hmm. put it in a box and get it out of sight. Don't label the box. And if you can't remember what's in it, you can let it go. I like that idea, a way to sort of uh, trick yourself into really looking at why those things are, are still around. That's wonderful. What do you think of the idea? Uh, th- this is just a, a thought that I guess I had, and it's a quote I'm going to attribute to myself later, probably. Um, a minimalist lifestyle does not mean a less full life. How are, how are you able to really find more, uh, more energy or more purpose or more meaning uh, since you've made this, this switch in your mind? Across the board, owning less and managing less has given me so much more, more in terms of health and energy, better sleep, better connections with people that I love, uh, more presence. I mean, I can actually show up and pay attention to an entire conversation where before I'd be always thinking about my to-do list or Mm -hmm. what was coming up next or what happened yesterday. I think that's probably one of the the most important things is that by getting rid of the clutter and the excess and you really get an opportunity to deal with the right now and, and be present. That's such a huge deal. And I think we forget about that when we're caught in the busyness of um, our quote unquote normal lives. Well, Courtney Carver, you say you were an introvert, but you've done a fantastic job of explaining this to us. We're very excited that we had the chance to talk to you. Uh, the book is called Soulful Simplicity. Uh, it is uh, it is available wherever fine books are sold, I assume. BeMoreWithLess.com. And, of course, uh, check out Project 333. And if you go to our website, LiveHappyNow.com, uh, you can get the free video, More Health and less stress. Courtney, thank you so much for taking uh, time out to uh, visit with us, and uh, we'll look forward to living a more stress-free, uh, minimal life, uh, minimalist lifestyle uh, here in the, in the future. Thank you very much. 
If you'd like to learn more about Courtney's book, Soulful Simplicity, visit us at livehappynow.com. And while you're online, let us know what you thought of this podcast. You can do that on Twitter at livehappy or on facebook.com slash livehappy or email us at podcast at livehappy.com. That's all we have for you today. So until next time, this is Jeff Sanders wishing you a great day and hoping that you remember every day to live happy 